Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Today, we are recapping an eventful weekend for the Kansas Jayhawks, both the men and women's teams. Uh, look, we will be talking about Kansas State uh, coming up here in just a few. Have Scott Chasen, formerly of 24-7 Sports, uh, Fog.net, joining us. Um, but first, I do want to make sure that we carve out some time. Uh, and, and, I'm, I, and full disclosure, I'm recording this earlier in the day um, on Sunday, so... Um, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure after the Chiefs game and all that fun stuff, there'll, there'll be a lot of crazy stuff to talk about. Um, I, you know, I'll, uh, but regardless, um, look, Kansas had a phenomenal game and this women's team has not been getting enough attention here on the podcast. That, that's my fault. I'm glad we were able to start talking about them, uh, last week before that K-State game. Um, but I want to make sure that we're dedicating some more time to talk about them because what they are doing right now is absolutely fantastic. They won an absolutely huge game for them, 71-57, to 57, at home against Texas Tech. Um, look, Texas Tech is like 2-5 and five in the conference. They're not a fantastic team, but they're also not a slouch team. Um, they have a player in Vivian Gray who is, if she was in any other conference other than the Big 12, she would probably be a contender for conference player of the year. The big 12 has some phenomenal players in it. Um, and the fact that Kansas was able to shut down a lot of what Texas tech was trying to do, um, you know, basically held the rest of the team to 25 points. Vivian gray scored 20, I'm sorry, 32 of Texas tech's 57 points. So um, yes, she got hers. We always knew that it was gonna be coming, but Kansas had a absolutely phenomenal performance in this particular game. Um, Chandler Prater went, Absolutely ballistic. She was seven of 11, uh, and then four or five from the free throw line to score 18 points for the Jayhawks. Uh, lead all scorers. I'm sorry, lead all Kansas scores. Holly Kurskeeter had 17 points. Um, I chat to Leone, Leonti. I, I always mispronounce her name and I apologize because I really should be better at, at this point. Um, 
but you know, she, she scored 11 points. So three different Kansas players that were in double digits. Um, they were dominating down low for a large portion of the game. Chandler Prater did a phenomenal job, um, in this game. She played 30 minutes. So she did a, a you know, it was absolutely fantastic to see them with the way that they were moving the ball. Uh, they got down a few times and were able to battle back every single time and then just opened up a huge lead at the end of the game. Uh, absolutely fantastic. Yes. Kansas is in sixth place in the conference because this conference is, is that competitive, but they are three and three. Uh, 500 in conference play at this point and are making a push now for the NCAA tournament. Um, you know, they, they still, they still have to go on the road to play a team like Baylor. They have Iowa state coming up on Tuesday and Iowa state is still dealing with some, some, uh, COVID issues from what I understand. So, uh, that'll be an interesting game, an opportunity for the Jayhawks to potentially get a pretty big win. If they can pull that win off, uh, that'll be absolutely huge for them. Because uh, Iowa State is tied with two other teams for the lead in the conference at five and two, uh, they are tied with Kansas State, who beat them on Wednesday, and then the and then the Oklahoma Sooners, uh, who actually just uh, just lost this week, uh, this, this weekend uh, to Kansas State. Um, Aoka Lee followed up her phenomenal performance against Kansas with uh, an absolutely dominant sixty-one point performance um, on Sunday against the Oklahoma Sooners. So, um, absolutely phenomenal for her. Uh, Kansas State is definitely going to be a team to watch. I would expect Kansas State to be ranked coming into this next week. Um, the Big 12, theoretically, depending on what people think of the Kansas Jayhawks and the way they were able to battle back, um, you know, on uh, Wednesday, I believe it was. Yeah, the way they were able to battle back Wednesday against against Kansas State and make that a game up until the very end. Um, theoretically, Kansas should be getting votes. Like, I don't think it's all that horrible the way that they lost at on the road to Kansas State. So, so you could have quite a few teams from the Big 12 Conference getting votes, have, uh, you know, five teams ranked in Kansas potentially getting votes as well. Um, absolutely phenomenal for this team. They're going to be a force to be reckoned with, and they are on track to get an NCAA tournament berth. So what Brandon Schneider is doing this year is absolutely phenomenal. Um, so we're going to continue to talk about them. Just wanted to make sure that we did that up front here. So, um, you know, it's it's pretty, pretty quick here, but uh, I am going to go before we get over to Scott. Um, you know, talk about the sponsor that we have here on the podcast. You guys know them well by this point, but that is Homefield Apparel. Homefield Apparel has the most comfortable vintage college sports apparel anywhere. They have t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies, joggers, a whole bunch more. They have more than a hundred different schools that are available and they are now in big new Saturday season three. Uh, Cincinnati was the first school that they included. The line that they have there for Cincinnati is absolutely phenomenal. It's a great line of shirts. Um, I highly recommend you go over and check it out as our soon-to-be Big 12 brethren over there. Um, but, you know, they have seven more schools coming as part of Big New Saturday. going to be a, uh, mainly basketball-focused, from what I'm told. I don't have any insider knowledge to tell you exactly what's coming. Um, but it has been intimated to me that um, there are a lot of big basketball schools that will be very excited to see this list. So, I'm not saying that Kansas is coming, but I'm sure hoping that Kansas is coming. Um, definitely get over there. Make sure you're checking it out. Make sure you're following Home Field Apparel over on Twitter if you're not already so you can figure out what all the new ones that are coming are. And when Kansas drops, be part of that competition there to make sure that Kansas ranks really highly in that because I can guarantee that if they bring it out, it's going to be absolutely phenomenal. So, all right, but head on over to Home Field Apparel. When you do that, you can use promo code CHOCK12 to get 15% off your entire first order. All orders over $100 get free shipping. Again, Home Field Apparel, the most comfortable vintage college sports apparel anywhere. I have like seven or eight different shirts. My wife has three or four, and she always steals mine when hers are dirty. So um, I promise that you're going to love it. Homefieldapparel.com, CHOCK12, gets you 15% off your entire first order. All right, so... 
I am going to go ahead and throw it to break now. When we come back, we will have Scott Chasen joining us here on the podcast to talk about the Kansas State game. I'm sorry, not the Kansas State game. Uh, or yeah, yes, yes. No, that's right. Kansas versus Kansas State and Manhattan that happened on Saturday. Uh, so much happened in that game that it has me flustered even talking about it. And hopefully he's going to be joining us after the Chiefs game tonight. So hopefully we'll have some fun stuff to talk about there as well. But, uh, but, uh, we will be right back on the Rock Chalk podcast. Welcome one, welcome all. And yes, I want you to be listening to the Tortillas and Takes podcast presented by 1012 Network. If you are a fan that is of a team that has 12 wins going to the national championships every year, that just loves to talk about all the success that your program has had, well, then you're probably not a Texas Tech fan. However, if you are a fan that just likes to really be in it every week, and, and really have a real good shot at winning it, you're also probably not a Texas Tech fan. However, if you have really high highs and really low lows and really drink quite a bit, you might be a Texas Tech fan. So come along and party with us here at Tortillas and Takes. We're going to sit back, crack open a cold one, eat some tortillas, and as, and as always, we're going to stay wrecked, people. season is finally here big 12 fans and for your home for men's and women's basketball come to midwest madness we are doing game coverages going over game analysis different rankings of teams and consistently looking at the best matchups in the conference you're not going to want to miss out on all the amazing basketball coverage we have so go check out midwest madness available wherever you listen to podcasts and we're back. I'm joined now by Scott Chasen, host of WIBW's The Drive over in Topeka. Scott, how are you doing today? I'm good. I'm glad to be back on this podcast in my post-writing days. It's yeah, nice. yeah, it's actually kind of fun. We, we had Michael Swain on uh, just like a week and a half ago. Uh, it was fantastic to have him on, but... Uh, yeah, it, it was a little weird not introducing you as, you know, the guy from Fog.net, but <laughs> glad that you're still, you know, sports adjacent, even, you know, for however long that actually lasts. But uh, you know what? There's a lot of crazy things happening in sports this weekend. I, I honestly don't think any of the NFL playoff games were bad at all. They were all entertaining, very exciting, came down to the last seconds. Uh, and, of course, we just got done watching the Chiefs winning in overtime, which was absolutely ridiculous. Uh, but anything that jumped out to you from there before we dive into obviously what we're really here to talk about, which is the Jayhawks beating Kansas State over the weekend. Yeah, I just think it's the difference between having a good, a great, and an all-time quarterback, right? Like Kansas City has had good quarterbacks. Like Trent Green was a good, sometimes great quarterback. He doesn't win that game. Uh, Alex Smith, most of his career was a good quarterback. In his last year, I would argue he was a great quarterback he does not win that game. There is a tier. And right now that tier is maybe Josh Allen, maybe Aaron Rodgers. He no showed today in the playoffs and then like Mahomes. And that's the, that's the top tier right now. Maybe yeah. Brady at age 45 or whatever, like 13 <laughs> seconds to win a game like that. It's just absolutely unbelievable. And um, I'm fired up. I know everyone's fired up, but I'm really fired up watching that because that was just freaking awesome. Yeah, that was absolutely ridiculous. And of course, I loved Andy Reid's comment about Patrick Mahomes. You know, he <laughs> said, uh, when things look grim, be the grim reaper, which was, I yeah. think, an absolute fantastic quote that's going to get, you know, repeated time and time again moving forward. So um, might even spawn a new nickname. Who knows? But yeah, <laughs> um, you know, speaking of, though, like clutch performances, Kansas coming all the way back against Kansas State. They were down by, I'm trying to think how big the, the deficit was. I mean, 17. Was, okay, that's right. 16 was against Kansas State for the women on Wednesday. 
17 for the men on Saturday, which is absolutely ridiculous to think that both of those teams came back to tie it or take the lead late in those games. And of course, Kansas was able to actually win on the, on the men's side. Um, you know, which, which player jumps out to you though, as the most, I mean, cause there was a lot of really great performances. Abaji, you know, with the, with the clutch shot at the end, Jalen Wilson throughout most of the game, David McCormick of all of those guys, or even one that I didn't even list, which guy jumps out to you as the guy who gets, I guess, the biggest share of that win. I think it's probably Ochai, but there were a lot of guys. You know, we can talk about later on what this game meant to Bill Self. There were obviously a ton of meeting, but the way Kansas came out after the half, I, I wouldn't discount this because I thought it showed how much the team cared, was focused, and was connected. This has been a team to me that has not always been focused. I mean, they missed 20 shots in a row against Oklahoma State. They went scoreless for God knows how long against Oklahoma. And you're just like, can is, is someone going to take ownership of this team and snap out of it? Because, look, Ochoa Baji is a great player, but he's not Frank Mason from a personality standpoint. He, he's not going to kill you, you know. Um, he's he's awesome. He'll be a first-team All-American National Player of the Year candidate. But they just kind of needed that moment. And I think they found it at halftime. Kansas played in effect, six minutes of perfect offensive basketball. And what I mean by that is every single possession for six minutes was a made basket or it drew a foul, which is for six minutes of focus like that is unbelievable. But I think the guy has to be Ochai because, I mean, look, Ochai took a lot of marginal shots. A lot of people did in that game. But at, at the end, you know, he just went and made a play. He jumped over a guy basically um, to score at the rim. And, and I think he has just made so much development in his game as that off the bounce kind of guy. Um, I give him a lot of credit because he is a first team All-American. For my money, he's, he's right up there as a national player of the year guy. He may not be, like I said, that same killer as some of the last guys that, that K or past guys that KU has had. But um, he's awesome. And his development has exceeded anything I thought he'd ever be. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he he definitely, I think, was the main scoring threat. And and honestly, he's the guy that you expect to be the go-to guy, the guy that's going to mm-hmm. take that final shot, the guy that is going to put the team on his shoulders. But there was a lot of other guys that really contributed. Jalen Wilson was was a huge energy guy in this game, was doing a lot of things, getting a lot of offensive rebounds. McCormick obviously was getting offensive rebounds for a large portion of that game. He had eight total and then seven defensive rebounds. He was a beast mm-hmm. on the glass. But Jalen Wilson had had double-digit rebounds as well. Um, but I think a guy that a lot of people won't necessarily look at because of, you know, he didn't score a ton of points, but he was literally everywhere on that court was Dewan Harris. Like he yeah. was flying around the court whenever they needed a hustle play. He was the guy that kind of poked the ball to, to get it back to one of his guys. He did a whole bunch of different things that aren't necessarily going to show up on the scoreboard or, or on the stat sheet. Um, you know, you, you talk about a team needing an identity and, and it's weird because, you know, we all want him to shoot more. Like we, when he actually shoots and steps into his shots and seems confident taking his shots, he seems to make them like the very beginning of every game he goes and goes on a hot streak, at least the last three or four. Um, mm-hmm. But then he, you know, recedes back into himself. It's, it's one of those things. I, I almost think that that's really what the identity of this team is, is when Dewan Harris is active and flying around and doing what he needs to do, the entire team runs a whole lot better. I agree. And actually, it's funny you bring this up. I ended uh, Sunday's episode of The Drive talking about Dewan Harris. We have a on-the-clock time where we can talk about anything we want. And I picked Dewan because I said that I feel like I personally have been too hard on Dewan because he's following Marcus Garrett as the team's like lockdown defender. And 
look, he's not Marcus Garrett, but no, no one is Marcus Garrett. Marcus Garrett was national defensive player of the year. Marcus Garrett never got scored on. Right. Dewan might get scored on three, four, you know, times in a game, but that's good. Like that happens for most guys as uh, guys, you know, defensive guy like that. Where I'm, I, I think I can be hard on Dewan is sometimes because of his physical limitations, when he's playing 30 or 35 minutes, there comes a point in the game where the other team's guy just says, I can shoot over you or I can bully you and makes yeah. a few plays that he just can't stop unless he's, you know, fresh and turned up. And so I don't like, it makes me, it makes me a little nervous for KU when Dewan is playing 30, 35 minutes. I think that probably needs to get cut back. But to your point, Second half, him, you know, he took on that Travis Relaford role of running around ball screens that when Travis Relaford used to defend, I think, I think it was Jacob Pullen. I might be conflating errors, but um, he, you know, you just have to navigate so many ball screens and not get tired out and contest shots. Um, he did that masterfully. So um, it, it was funny you brought that up because that was kind of my closing sentiment was an ode to Dewan Harris, who he, he does a lot for this team. He's done enough to prove he deserves a starting spot. And I think he should play 25-ish minutes um, each night. Now, as Remy Martin gets healthy and plays better, then I think Remy can kind of ease and, and take some of that burden on. But look, Dewan was great second half. And, and you mentioned it on the boards. Look, I give it to Ochai, the, the defining player, because KU doesn't win that game without a guy like Ochai to make that big play at the end. But what Jalen Wilson and David McCormick did dominating the glass, I mean, Bill Self even said that's where KU won the game was the offensive glass. So I think you made a good point there, too. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and you can look, look at a guy like Christian Brown. You know, he, he has definitely cooled off in terms of his shooting. He's not shooting nearly as well as he was. Um, but he's almost the guy that brings the attitude to this team. Like you saw yeah. it against Oklahoma. Um, you know, there were some guys talking crap in the corner against him and he goes and hits that huge shot when this team needs a spark, like needs to get tough. That's who they usually turn to. Um, it's, it's, it's weird to see the roles that we're used to seeing condensed into a single player to be the guy. So like a Marcus Garrett, they're spread out throughout the team. And so this is, this is by far, I think the weirdest team that I've seen in quite a long time, because you don't have a guy that can do everything, but you have every single piece that you need in somebody. It's just a matter of getting the right pieces on the court at the right time and shuffling them. And so Bill Self pulling this kind of win together shows just how good he is at actually managing his roster about getting guys in the situations that they need to be. And you had to think about all the strings that he pulled in this game and honestly throughout the rest of the season to get guys in when they need that particular trait from that particular guy. Getting Remy Martin to do what he needs to do to be out there and contributing is going to help ease that a lot because you're right. Dwan Harris can't like he was the only guy that was that was able to play any kind of decent defense on Nigel Pack in this game. And mm-hmm. even Nigel Pack was like shooting over him at times and just hitting absolutely insane shots that were perfectly yeah. defended. And there's just nothing that they could have done about it. Um, but but like Dwan Harris was the only guy that could keep up with him and, and could stay in front of him and actually stop him from getting completely wide open looks the entire game. Um, but he definitely kind of wore down as the game went on. And so having a guy like Remy Martin that can allow Dewan Harris to have a few more minutes of rest, you're right, will allow him to do what he does absolutely phenomenal. We've been spoiled with a guy like Frank Mason, you know, Marcus Garrett, Devontae Graham, these guys that can play 40 minutes a game, keep that Mm -hmm. same level of intensity, maybe only take off like two or three possessions throughout an entire 40-minute game. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, that's just not normal. But we've had so many of those guys back to back to back that people expect it now at this point. Mm -hmm. So I think Dewan Harris is an absolutely, like, exactly what this team needs as the main point guard. But he definitely needs a backup point guard that can actually help him throughout the game to manage his own workload. Yeah, and and let's take a minute and talk about that defense a little bit just because, uh, not to bum everyone out, but, I mean, it was bad. And 
Look, I, I went back, I, I watched the game, watched most of it live, but ended up going back and watching the entire game that night again, uh, yeah. just because I had some stuff going on that day. And when I watched the second time, I was really watching Nigel Pack. And, you know, how did he get open for so many shots? Like, what what was the key? I, I looked at the possessions where Remy Martin guarded him. And I know the whole Remy Martin, Bill Self thing has been a, a hot topic of conversation. But look, the fact of the matter is, uh, watch Remy Martin's ba- baskets when, or excuse me, watch Nigel Pack's baskets when Remy Martin was guarding him. It, it's bad. I mean, Remy Martin on one play, he's standing in the paint guarding no one. Everyone is kind of covered. There's help defense, everything. And Nigel Pack's just standing there in the corner, wide open, and hits a three. And then another possession, Remy Martin goes under a ball screen that clearly he needs to go over because it's a shooter. And Nigel Pack just pulls up and hit a three. Uh, I counted 14 points on five possessions that Nigel Pack got on uh, Remy Martin, which that's not good enough. It's stuff like that that keeps you from playing. So I think in that end, Remy Martin needs to show a lot more um, as he gets more comfortable, gets back in rhythm defensively. But, but the general point, yeah, I think like this team is deep enough that even if Bobby Pettiford is banged up, even if Joe Yasufu isn't contributing, there should be enough people to have seven or eight guys on the court that you feel great about. Right. Um, I think KU's gotten into some trouble with some teams where there were like 10 guys, but maybe only felt great about four of them. I mean, that was 2018, 19, right? Felt great about Diedrich Lawson. You felt great about Devon uh, Dotson. Then when Doak went down, it was like, well, sometimes you feel good about Vic or Ochai Abaji or, you know, like KJ Lawson had a couple good games, but you, you didn't really necessarily have those guys. This team actually has six, seven, eight, like quality depth guys. So when you get Remy Martin playing like Remy Martin can, because I'm a Remy Martin guy, don't take that as me saying, I don't like Remy Martin. I think Remy Martin needs to play for this team to be good. When you get him playing well, then I think this team just, I, I mean, I think it has the chance to be one of Bill Self's best in terms of quality depth and has a chance to go far in March. Yeah. And I think that we've talked about it a few times on here, but like the, the Remy Martin issues seem to be just a lack of playing time and a lack of comfort in, you know, in, mm-hmm. in the rotation and what he's trying to do. And, you know, there, there was a lot of talk and, and of course it was being reported out on Twitter as well, like conversations with Remy's dad, you know, in terms of like, he came mm-hmm. to Kansas because he needed to like the feedback they got from the NBA was that he needs to show how he can run an offense. Like just being a slasher scorer wasn't enough to get him where he needed to be in the NBA, um, which, which makes a lot of sense. The problem I think to this point is that it seems like, and again, this may be completely off base, but it's what, you know, it seems to the outside is it seems like he's focused so much on trying to develop the other things that he needs to develop that he's lost a step in terms of what he is normally good at. Like when he was at, at Arizona State, he was a, a fairly good defender. Like he wasn't like a lockdown, you're going to, you know, take away their best shooter type of defender, but he could play in a system. He was good at fighting through screens. Like he was doing a lot of the things that he's struggling with right now. And it seems like he's focusing so much on trying to integrate into the system and trying to get to a point where he's like showing that, hey, I fixed these problems and everyone's just going to, you know, know that I can do all this other stuff that it looks like he's lost a step in the rest of his game. So he just needs, it it seems to me that he needs to get his confidence back. He needs to start doing what he does well and develop the other things at the same time. But he's got to at least bring something to the, to the floor when he's out there. And that's the problem right now. He's focusing so much on what he needs to fix that he's not even doing the things that he normally does well, well, when he's out on the court, which, which is a big problem. It's going to make it harder for him to get the minutes that he needs to actually develop. Uh, For sure. And I think the other part of this too you know, there's a story about Kobe Bryant. I, I don't have all the details of this. I just know how it's been told and, and passed down that it, they were complaining that he takes too many shots. So he decided for like a few games or whatever, I'm not going to shoot. I'm only passing. 
and like to, to almost make it a point, like, see, I can right. do this. And, and, you know, Remy Martin had that exhibition game where he went off and just scored in the twenties and it was awesome. And then it felt like maybe he got some feedback that he needed to pass more. And then he became too passive. And then, like you mentioned, he's just, it, it seems like he's been searching for his role that like all this time he's got to find it because he is a great score. Like you mentioned, I mean, you don't, you don't average 20 points a game, basically back to back years in the pack 12, unless you are a great score. And even the Remy Martin, that was like a sophomore averaging 12 points and seven assists like that. Remy Martin would be a huge boost for this team. And that Remy Martin, you know, Bill self talked about how he'd get under you defensively, all the little guards at Arizona state and bother you. Now, maybe that was less about Remy and more about some of those other guys, but he can be a much better defender than he's shown um, I think he's worried about a lot of stuff. Joe Yesifu, I think he's a hundred percent in that same category. Bill Self said at one point, I've got him so screwed up trying to guard that he's forgotten how to score. Yeah. I think not to call anyone a lost cause. I think for this year, Joe Yesifu is more of a quote unquote lost cause from the perspective of, I don't see him totally reversing course, crashing the rotation and being 15, 20 minutes a game, maybe for future years though. Cause I think he has a lot of talent. I think Remy Martin can get there this year. I think the injury has disrupted things. I think there is probably a little bit, maybe butting heads is probably the right word with Bill Self. Although I, my personal opinion, I don't think it's been nearly as severe as some of the, the maybe rumor mill has suggested, but you know, I, I think it's just a matter of him finding the role that feels comfortable while still bringing the things that he does great because when he does get going, all of a sudden this team gets another scorer, gets another kind of energy guy and, his personality is infectious on the court. You know, we talked about all the different roles K you guys have, um, you know, that energy he brings that smile, the clapping, all that, that really fires guys up. I think that's important. Oh yeah. Bill self called him the energy guy, like coming into the year, like, and, and I can definitely see it. And, you know, normally when you think of the energy, energy guy, you don't think of a guy who's expected to start, which is what Remick was at the beginning of the year. But like, I definitely see it now at this point, especially with Dewan Harris stepping in as the main point guard. Um, mm-hmm. You know what? But but you talked about like the quality of depth that they have, um, you know, and, and how important it is that some of these guys really start to to step up because they've been shrinking the rotation. Like mm-hmm. you, you actually look at the minutes and they've been condensing those minutes now into those six guys in, you know, Brown, Abaji, Harris, Wilson, McCormick, the five starters, and then Remy Martin. Uh, mm-hmm. Miss Lightfoot only had eight minutes in this game. KJ Adams only had six. Jalen coleman Lange only had four. So you're basically running a six-man rotation, and Remy needs to be able to contribute to that. Um, in terms of the rumor mill, you know, as is usually the case, you know, when something gets reported, everybody wants to interpret it their own their own way, right? So, like, the, the initial rumor, and I, we've talked about it briefly on here, but the initial rumor, you know, is that there was tension. And if you really think about it, like, when you're bringing in a guy that says – that's as talented as Remy is, and he's trying to learn a new system, trying to develop himself. Tension's not a bad thing. Tension means that, you know, they don't necessarily see eye to eye, but they are trying to get it worked out. Like, you can have a lot of tension there, but if it's constructive, like constructive tension is a very good thing that leads to player development. When people hear that word, though, they're like, oh my gosh, especially in, in today's transfer era, everyone's like, oh my gosh, is, is like Remy not wanting to be here? Is he wanting to leave? That's not necessarily like what it's talking about there. <laughs> Tension can, can be a good thing. It's about him learning what he needs to do and really kind of developing into the system. So I, I, again, I don't think it's a lost cause like you're talking about. And there's definitely guys that that could, if they were able to get the minutes that they needed to develop as well, to kind of step into those roles. I just don't see it happening at this point. Like you said, I think we're, we're getting pretty close to a six man rotation with Mitch coming in. If McCormick gets in foul trouble or KJ Adams coming in, if, 
you know, if they get in foul trouble and Coleman lands being the guy that you need to bring in off the bench when one of the guards needs a rest. Let, let me give you this three players. I want a one to 10 answer from you confidence level of like them kind of figuring it out and doing what they need to do the rest of the year. Okay. So the three are, are David Jalen and Remy. So David, I think I'm at a nine because I think mm-hmm. I've changed my expectations for what he needs to be. I don't, I don't need him to be a 25 point a night scorer. He needs to be that rebounder, and he's really kind of gotten to that role now at this point. Uh, sorry, you said the other ones were Jalen Wilson. Jalen Wilson. Okay, that that one I'm at a ten now. He has come on completely mm-hmm. strong. I I mean, he's he's almost I think where he needs to be as long as he can maintain it the rest of the year. And then the last one you said was Martin. Remy Martin. Remy Martin. Uh, that one I'm probably at like a six or a seven. I still think that there's a really good chance he could do it. We just need to start seeing on the court. And, and again, like like you were talking about, the fact that he was injured. You know, the fact that he's coming back from all of that and still trying to kind of work his way in, you know, normally a a senior transfer that comes in like that, especially a guy that was expected to be the guy and then Ochai comes back, like that kind of changes his role coming into the year. So he's got to rethink about what his role is going to be. You know, he had the injury in the preseason, which I believe was his back and then the knee injury like halfway through the season. So like he's been dealing with injuries, hasn't gotten nearly as much practice time, as much playing time as a lot of people expect. So, I mean, Yes, I'm worried that maybe there's not enough time for him to get to where we would like him to be. But I, I think with the way everyone else has developed, where we need him to be, I think he has a really, really good chance of getting there by the end of conference season. I, I think my numbers would be pretty close to yours. I think I'm I'm an eternal pessimist, so maybe mine <laughs> would each be a little bit lower. But yeah, I mean, starting with Dave and Jalen, they have sort of taken to the the rebounder role. Now, Dave's always been a good offensive rebounder, but those defensive totals, have, like you mentioned, have started to come up. And I think just for KU having someone to end possessions, that helps your defense so much more because, you know, at times KU's first shot defense has actually been pretty decent this year, but they just give up so many rebounds or you look up and Dave has two defensive rebounds for a game. And it's just like, Hey, you know, someone needs to finish these possessions when you are actually getting these stops. So you don't have to spend all your energy, you know, chasing defensive possession after possession. And, and, you know, Jalen has been that guy for a lot of the time. Now I am interested to seeing the scoring distribution, but I think that's where Remy becomes so important because if Remy's giving you 10 points a game and he's setting up guys for easy baskets, whereas like, you know, that, that is conducive to Kansas being a top five offense, which is what they're on Ken Palm. I think they're ranked third, three, Um, three. Yeah. So if, if you have Dewan doing that now, that's taking away from all the other responsibilities you're asking him to do on the court. Now we agree. Dewan needs to shoot when open, especially corner threes or whatever. If he's open, he's got to let that go or else they'll stop guarding him. And it makes Kansas easier to guard. But if you can have Remy be that guy. So um, if I were to put it, my number on Remy Martin, it'd probably be a five, uh, not a five for him being good, but a five for him finding that sort of ideal role and balance. Right. Um, Cause to me, that's the key, you know, that's Kansas being a final four team versus Kansas being a team that could get upset maybe in the second weekend. Uh, I think this team's too good to get upset early in the tournament, either the big 12 or NCAA. But if you want to talk like legit final four ceiling, I think it does come down to Remy just because of exactly that. Um, the potential he has to really unlock that offense. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it really comes down to when you're thinking about this season and, and what to think about moving forward, it's about managing expectations, both mm-hmm. us as fans, um, you know, and then within the team themselves. Like, everybody needs to go back, I think, and reset their expectations based off of what we've seen because we ha- all had expectations for what Remy Martin was going to be when he got here. We all had expectations for what this team could be because of what we saw from everybody. But there's only so many minutes to go around. There's only so much development that can happen for individual players because a lot of development has to happen on the court in games. 
So when you go back and think about realistic expectations for what this team can be, I do still think that, you know, a final four is a realistic <laughs> expectation. Being a strong contender for a national championship is a realistic expectation, even though we don't we don't quite have as much in-game depth that you can rely on this year as a lot of people thought we were going to have because people's individual roles and the expectations for those individual players are going to are, are a lot different than I think most people you know were expecting coming into the year that's not necessarily a bad thing it's just a matter of I think we need to get used to it I think a lot of the players had to get used to it pretty quickly and they've obviously done it a lot better I think than most fans because there's still people talking about what they think players should be that is just not at all what they're doing on the court and and Bill Self, the one thing he got right is, you know, he is absolutely or he knows a whole lot effing more about what's going on with his team than people on Twitter. Um, you know, so there, there's dynamics there. There's a whole bunch of stuff going on there. But I think we're in a good spot. I don't think that people need to, like, temper their expectations for what the goal of the team should be. But we definitely need to to really temper expectations for how we think they're going to get there at this point. Yeah. And, and I think. One thing that will help Kansas a ton, I was looking up the Big 12's defensive rankings on Ken Palm yesterday. Uh, it was something I was just curious about. There were nine of the oh, 10 Big 12 teams were ranked in the top 30 nationally on defense. The 10th team was Kansas, which is still right. a top 50 defense. And as we talked about, has the third ranked offense in the nation. That That's insane. And that will prepare you. I think the Big 12 always prepares you for the postseason. Now, obviously, Kansas has had varying levels of success with that. But this year, just how sharp you will have to get to score on most Big 12 teams, just, you know, it could be TCU, Oklahoma State, it could be literally anyone. There are no easy defenses you'll go against. Um, I think that boosts Kansas a lot. I did want to circle back around and spend one quick second just on the K-State game talking about Bill Self and just him coaching it. Um, You know, he talked a lot after the game about the impact his dad had on him. And I think that's evident in the way that he's always coached, right? Like he cares so much about getting the little details and the controllables and the execution, right? Uh, just like that quote, you know, like, don't worry about the mules, just, you know, load, load the, the wagons, whatever. right? Um, yep. uh, you know, that, that is essentially what Bill Self is asking this team to do and what he'll continue to ask them to do as they go through big 12 play, because Kansas will lose games just simply with big 12 teams being better or being better on that night. There are so many good big 12 teams, so many quality teams that can absolutely make you play bad, make you miss shots. Shots won't fall. They'll hit shots and you're going to lose. But I think for him, this is kind of that unique year where you can go on this branch and compete to win a big 12 title, but also kind of toy and develop and work with the roster because there will be some nights where whatever you think is your best lineup that, you know, you have to play to win. It's just not going to work. And so I think this year might even be more conducive to kind of tweaking and messing with things and giving Bill Self those opportunities. Um, I was impressed with how Kansas kind of switched up defenses and, and changed its both offensive and defensive attack in this game. How to me, Kansas seemed in control of this game in the second half. And it was just a matter of, do you have enough time to dig out of the hole you dug yourself? Um, to me, those are those are the signs of Bill Self's reaching this team from a coaching perspective, and I think um, that's another part of this. I, I there have been Bill Self teams where you almost wonder how much more can he get out of them. This is sort of this is definitely not that. This is this team has a crazy ceiling that I think Bill Self is slowly finding ways to maneuver to, um, and that's part of this equation too. 
Well, yeah, and and to your point about the defenses, like I, I'm actually on a on a Big Twelve podcast as well, and we talk about that all the time because it's just crazy how great this Big Twelve conference is. Um, but I do think one of the additional advantages of that is that you get used to the opposing team using how good they are defensively to take away something that you want to do. Mm-hmm. And so you have to learn how to adapt to that. You have to learn how to how to play around it, basically. Kansas didn't do that well in the game against Texas Tech because Texas Tech took away all of the offensive rebounding. Like, they literally did not get an opportunity. That, that, that's what Kansas relies on is going and getting offensive rebounds and getting extra opportunities that way. They didn't really get to do that against Texas Tech. And so it's a, really a matter of every single night you're going to get a new challenge to figure out how can I utilize the pieces I have differently. And Bill Self does that phenomenally well, probably better than almost any coach in the entire country. So um, that actually leads us directly into the game coming up today from when this mm-hmm. episode drops, which is Big Monday against Texas Tech. This is obviously a revenge game for the Jayhawks because they lost you know, down in Lubbock. Uh, it is a big Monday game. Bill Self is absolutely phenomenal on big Monday games at home. So um, there's a lot going into this game, but, you know, also kind of using that as a backdrop that offensive re- rebounding didn't really go well last time. What do you expect the focus to be in this game? What do you expect Kansas to really try to do to come out of this game with a win? Well, I think first you, you've got to figure out how to solve for what Mark Adams has done with that defense, which is what, you know, in fairness, Chris Beard was doing with that defense with Mark Adams there. Um, and you've got to figure out a way to kind of solve these issues they present, which is they're not going to let you score inside. You know, obviously they kind of, I don't know if pioneered is fair, but the no middle kind of big 12 defense and, and, you know, kind of forcing you outside, changing the angles with uh, which you can work and the opportunities you can have to score. Uh, I think that's the biggest challenge because it feels like most games against Texas tech for Kansas just become this horrible slog that if they're not hitting threes, I can think of one instance um, you'll, you'll probably remember it was the game. I think Silvio de Sosa got his like two year NCAA ban and something else bad happened like right before the game. And KU was just, I mean, they were pissed coming into that game oh, yeah. and, and they just exploded and won by like 20 or something. And Chris Beard had a quote after the game. He was like, look, we knew what we were getting ourselves into today. Like it just wasn't going to happen. Other than that, these games are such a grind because of how good tech is defensively. And as a side note, I do think Chris Beard will eventually get Texas going, but it's kind of scary when you hire a coach, but you don't bring on like the lead assistant that pioneered the thing that made him great there. Um, And you you let that guy get left behind um, just as an interesting aside. But yeah, I think for Kansas, probably offensive execution has to be sharper. They need to to figure out if there are ways to score inside and utilize their big men. And then they cannot get destroyed in the paint Um, because that was the story of the last game against Tech. It was points in the paint offensively, points in the paint defensively, and they got absolutely slaughtered there. So um, I think figuring out ways to solve that on both ends, that's probably a key in this one. Yeah, I mean, the the thing about the no middle defense is that if you are quick enough and if you can move the ball around fast enough, you can find those openings. But with how disciplined Texas Tech is on defense, it's hard to actually find them. And that's what Texas Tech does is they, you know, slow the game down. They slog, they make it a slog to get anything, which just wears you down. So hopefully Kansas has learned what they need to do to kind of get that going. And hopefully the second half really kind of helps out. Because I think that Kansas State runs a lot of similar types of things. They just don't have the quite the personnel for it. Um, they like yeah. to slow you down. They like to do a lot of similar sort of things. And Kansas had, you know, struggled with it. So hopefully they learn something in this game about how they can attack it going against Texas Tech. Um, we'll we'll kind of have to see. So so other than that, is, is there a particular player that you think is actually key to this game coming up tonight? That's a really good question. I don't know that there is. If there were, uh, Christian Brown might be my go-to guy just because 
you know, I, I think maybe less for this game and more big picture. Ochai Abaji needs a running mate, and I'm not sold on who regularly that would be. It could be Jalen Wilson. It's certainly a possibility. I think his energy will be important in this game. But Christian Brown is going to have opportunities to score. He's going to have opportunities based off what we've seen from Tech defensively to put up shots, um, especially from the perimeter. And it's really important for him to make them. You know, there's like a difference in perception and percentage. Christian Brown is a good shooter. He has good form. He can make shots. For a large part of his KU career, he's been a mediocre to average three-point shooter. That doesn't mean he's a bad shooter. It just means, you know, it's, it's sometimes it doesn't play out the way you think it would. A, a good example, uh, I'm a Suns fan. Devin Booker has had a bad three-point percentage for a long time. This dude has the most beautiful shot in the NBA. And you'd be like, of course he's a great shooter. He's Devin Booker. Well, they don't go in until this year. He's making a lot of them. Right. For Christian Brown, he, he's got to capitalize on those opportunities and he has to look for them because even this year, as his two-point percentage has shot through the roof, there have been times where he's turned down threes, especially deep ones, that will allow them Kansas to stretch out the defense. And if you think about it this way, because you know, with football, it's sometimes easier to see where like you run a play and then you run a counter to that play and you catch the defense napping. And now that double move gives you a touchdown and that changes the game. If Christian Brown hits a couple deep threes, you get that defense scrambling. And all of a sudden now a guy's out of position running, covering for a guy he doesn't need to. And now David McCormick's open in the paint for a dunk. And, and it just changes the complexity of those games when you can get um, just a player or two like that. So Honestly, I think Christian Brown just kind of staying on his role, continuing to to play well, shooting well from three-point range, and, and taking advantage of the holes in the Texas Tech defense when available, to me, that would be a guy I would look at for this game. Yeah, to that point, it almost seems like with, with Harris getting a hot start in the last few games, that it's almost taken a little bit of pressure off Christian Brown to be that guy, but then Harris takes a step back and Brown doesn't necessarily take a step up. So it it needs to definitely be more of a give and take. If one of them is going to step up, the other one can definitely take a step back and benefit from that, but they have to be able to kind of, you know, switch it in and out. And so I think that's going to be a big thing there. If, if Brown starts hot and keeps it going that way, um, you know, then I think that's going to do a whole lot to open it up for, for Ochai. I'm reminded, I forget who the player is now, but I remember that there was a player a few years ago where you, you knew what kind of night he was going to have by if his first two shots went in. If his first two shots went mm-hmm. in, he was going to make, you know, like nine of 10 and have an absolutely phenomenal night. If he missed the first two shots, then don't expect anything from the rest of the night because his confidence was completely shaken at that point. I yeah. forget who it is, but it's... That might have been Christian. That literally was it Christian a couple years ago. I think it was. (laughs) I don't remember who it was. I thought it was someone else from like a few years before that, but yeah, it very well could be. So no, there was a story. I remember it was like, I I, I'm thinking it was Christian. It could have been someone else and and someone should feel free to tweet either of us and correct us. Yeah, Um, for sure. But there was like an athletic feature and it was like, if he makes his first two shots, like, or, or even his first one, like his percentage is through the roof. And if he doesn't, it's, it's awful. I think it was Christian. I, I might be wrong, but I'm, I'm like, I feel pretty confident it was Christian funny enough for this conversation. That's awesome. All right, Scott. Well, um, I think that's going to about do it for us for tonight, but uh, any, any final thoughts that we need to be thinking about for either this game coming up or the next couple weeks? Yeah, I, I just think this is the fun part of the season where you see a team grow. Um, you know, I had the chance over the last five, six, however many years to uh, cover Kansas basketball very closely and travel and, and kind of, you know, see the environments grow. And sometimes, like I mentioned, they, they didn't grow. Like the 2018-19 team with Quentin Grimes and Diedrich Lawson, like that team hit a peak and they got they got pretty good. That was not a bad team. 
but they hit a peak and, and there was no way they were going to break through that peak, no matter, you know, what buttons you press. Um, conversely, other teams, you know, 2016, 17 comes to mind. Uh, Frank Mason 2012 comes to mind as well, as well. Yeah. Well, where they, it like seemed like they plateaued and, and there was like a, a, a kind of a, a breaking point and then it, it took off. And I, I actually think last year's could have been one of those. They were, Kansas was one of the best teams in the nation until COVID and, and all those interruptions kind of took everyone down. Dave McCormick got injured going into the tournament. Um, and we never really got to see how that thing ended. Obviously the, the 2019 20 team is one of those two. This is a team that's moldable that I think will change and grow and develop and, it would not shock me if a month from now we're looking at this KU team and saying this team would beat the KU team from a month ago by 15 points. Like, I think there's a lot of room for impressive traje- trajectory development, all that stuff from here on out. So this is the fun time. It will lead to stressful games because the Big 12 is stressful, but I would enjoy the ride on this one because – I think there's a chance this team's growing a whole lot over the next few weeks, and I think it could be really fun to watch. That that would be fantastic. I, I sure hope you're right. All right, Scott, <laughs> where where can everybody find your work? Well, uh, if you're interested in hearing me talk even more or even seeing me, if you live in Topeka, West Lawrence, uh, you can watch me on The Drive, WIBW, Sunday nights after the late news, or there's a podcast uh, of The Drive that comes out at uh, gopowercat.com. Tim Fitzgerald, who I host with, uh, he posts it. So we talk college sports there, but uh, as always, I love to be on here too. So I appreciate you having me. Yeah, for sure. All right. That is going to do it for us tonight. Scott, thanks so much for joining me. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you haven't already, please do go out wherever you get your podcasts, which Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, any of the other million apps that are out there. Just search for Rock Chalk Podcast so you can subscribe and get every episode as soon as it comes out. If you can give us a rating and a review, five stars, nice comments would be absolutely great. But if for whatever reason you can't do that, just let us know what it is we can be doing better. We really do bring the podcast to you guys and get you all the information you need to know in as entertaining a way as possible. So if you ever have any comments, questions, suggestions, people you want to try to interview, anything like that, you can contact me by email at rockchalkpodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at rockchalkpod. We are part of the Anchor platform, so you can actually leave us a voicemail, get your voice on the show. It's been a while since someone's done that, but I highly encourage it. You can ask me a question, whatever you want. Um, just go to anchor.fm slash rock-chalk-podcast slash message, and I promise we'll get you on. Uh, we are part of the 1012 network, great network that I started with one of my, my good friend, Philip. Uh, that covers all the teams in the Big 12 Conference, including some of the new ones that are coming. Um, you know, we have a bunch of great podcasts, a bunch of great people. I still maintain the best way to know about how the Big 12 is going to affect the Kansas Jayhawks is by knowing about the rest of the Big 12 Conference. So I highly recommend you go over there on Twitter at 1012 Network. That's ten one two Network. You'll get links to all the great shows. Um, but that's going to do it for us tonight. Make sure you visit our sponsor, Homefield Apparel. Promo code CHOCK12 gets you 15% off your entire first order. But uh, that's going to do it. Scott, thank, thanks again for joining me. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we will catch you guys next time on the Rock Chalk Podcast. If you love the Big 12, then we have the show for you. The 10-12, the podcast that covers all 10 teams in the Big 12 Conference. Forget the SEC, forget the Big 10, and forget national podcasts that only talk about Oklahoma and Texas. We talk about the Sooners and the Longhorns. We also talk about the Cyclones, the Cowboys, the Wildcats, the Mountaineers, the Jayhawks, the Red Raiders, the Horn Frogs, and the Bears. We love the whole Big 12, and we are available everywhere that podcasts are found. So go and find the 1012 Podcast and subscribe today. Sports Social Podcast Network. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.